Welcome, writers, readers, and friends to the Authors Talking Bookish podcast. I'm Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That Is Sacred. And I'm Hope Gibbs, author of Where the Grass Grows Blue. We're two debut writers traditionally published by a small publishing house, bringing to you all the experiences that we as authors learn the hard way, so you don't have to. We'll give you insights from the inception of a book idea to publication and beyond. And along the way, we'll share our love of books from the writer's perspective. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode four of Authors Talking Bookish, and I am Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That Is Sacred. Hi, Donna. Hi. I am Hope Gibbs, and I am the author of Where the Grass Grows Blue. And today, like Donna said, is episode four. I am so excited about this. Um, on our last episode, we talked about the importance of your first draft. Okay, so how to do it, some books, some tips that work for us, things to look out for when you're reading. Um, so today, we're going to change gears, and our title of this episode is I've written a first draft. Now what? So what's the next step? You've got this manuscript. You've got this first draft. How are you going to get it from your computer or from home out into the world? So we're wanting to get your manuscript ready for querying. So before we start, uh, Donna, what's going on with you? How's your summer going? My summer's going great. I just got back from a trip to Europe. Um, which was amazing. And now I need to hit the ground running and start to book some more events for my book. Um, I, I need to try to make the most of summer before I get back to school. Yes, How about school, you, Hope? School's starting back soon for you, right? Um, three weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, three weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What's going on with you? Well, you know, it's the end of summer um, for us. Uh, my kids start school kind of earlier down here in the South. We start school pretty much, in, you know, mid to, mid to beginning of August. So my uh, kids are going to be heading back to their respective colleges and um, I'm going to have a, a quiet house again. So hopefully I can do a little bit of writing and getting some, some work in before I go. I'm actually going to go to Europe uh, in September. So I'm going to try to get as much as I can in for August. But of course, I can't just only work. I have to read. And um, I've got several books that I've got, you know, loaded on my Kindle for my trip. And <laughs> I picked up a, I went to my local bookstore and I picked up this. It's called Beach Read. And it's going to be my very first Emily Henry book. I don't know if you've read her, but everyone on Bookstagram, Instagram, they just love her books. Yeah, I, I have seen that as well. I have not read any of her books, but definitely um, she's she's definitely somebody that I, I plan on getting to. My TBR pile is still rather large. I didn't get through as many books as I anticipated, but um, I just picked up um, Celeste Ng's um, Our Missing Hearts. Have you ever read Celeste Ng? I have not, but I did watch the series. It was on Hulu, I believe. And yeah, that was, little, um, little fires everywhere. And and I loved I loved the series. It had it was nothing I had against the book, but the series was just kind of there in front of me, and so um, I kind of got sucked into it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that series a lot, and I think they did a really good job with it. Um, yeah, Reese Witherspoon's book club um, does a nice job with those adaptations that she's creating. 
Yeah, I, I finished watching The Last Thing He Told Me. So yeah. that is a book that I did read. I read that book. Um, and then I can't, I think it was on Apple. Um, it had Jennifer Gardner in it. So yeah. it, it, it was, a, and I really, really enjoy Laura Day books. And so, um, so yeah, so I gobbled that one up this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. I um, read the previous two books that Celeste Ng um, wrote and liked them quite a bit. So I'm, this one has been on my TBR for a while. Yeah. My, my list just gets longer and longer and longer. It's just so many books to, to try to get through. And then I read books for a bookish road trip and I'm loving all the books that, you know, that I'm reading with that. I'm, I've got to read uh, the friendship breakup. I, I'm so excited about that one. So there's a lot of books coming up. Yeah, that's a good one. I read that one by Annie Catherine. Yeah. And I believe she actually won an award recently for that. Yeah. Book. Yeah. yeah. She did. She did. That's awesome. Okay. I so the indie authors too. Well, I hope, yeah. I love, I love when indie authors do well. So, okay. Now let's move on to why we're here for our podcast okay. episode four. You've got a manuscript, you've got a first draft. Now what? So Donna, could you tell me just a little bit about your first draft? How long did it take you and what word count did you come in? So um, it took me about a year to write and it was over 120,000 words, which I had to whittle down to, I think, I think the end product was 94,000, which was right in the women's fiction wheelhouse. Um, what about you? Uh, from the time I actually got really serious about writing, it took about a year to write the first draft. And I, like you, 120,000 words, way outside of what I needed. And so after I finished writing, typing those beautiful words, the end, I'm like, oh, I've written a book. Everything is great. And then I realized I had written a massive, just too many words, all telling, not show, I mean, showing it, it needed help. And I wanted to get it into a position because I loved the heart of the story. And the heart of my story, even though it's been through several edits, it's never changed. It was always, you know, Penny's journey. That's my main character. Um, it was her journey to embrace forgiveness uh, because she had denied it for so long. And when she did, when she does that and it changes her. And so that always remained. But I had a lot of stuff I needed to, to cut to get it ready to query. Now, before we even go further, for those who might not know that process, Donna, could you tell people what that means when we say to, to query your manuscript? Sure. Querying your manuscript is getting it um, as polished as you possibly can, um, doing some research for possible agents or publishing houses that you would like to offer you a contract to work with. Um, and writing a query letter and sending all of those out. But before you get to that point, you need to make sure your draft is almost publishable. Otherwise, you're not going to get any requests from this. So yes. what did you do, Hope, um, once you had that draft? What did you do? What was your next step? Did you write a query letter right away? Did you? What did you do? No, I sat on my book for a, for a long time. So I wrote my book completely on my own. I was in like my own little writing bubble. Most people didn't even know I was writing a book. Only my closest friends or people that had watched me carry around my laptop all over, you know, Nashville mm -hmm. and on 
vacation and on girls trips, they started figuring out I'm not just, you know, on Amazon buying things. I'm, I'm actually typing. So for me, I didn't have a writing group and it's something I regret. I wish I had, you know, a writing community when I was writing or to know other writers or aspiring writers or authors, but I didn't. So for me, when I knew I needed to get my manuscript tightened, I went in the direction of hiring a content editor. Um, so I started, as we talked many times on the, these shows, I started doing research and I needed to find someone, a professional that I could trust, that I could send my manuscript to, obviously hire them um, and try to give me an overall content edit. Um, so, I mean, Donna, you've been through content edits. Can you just tell everyone just a little bit about what that means? Sure. A content edit looks for um, plot holes in your story, looks for big, um, big picture ideas. Like for my, um, my first book, one of the things I needed to do was write a new first chapter. <laughs> my, my editor didn't think it began in the right place. Um, for my second book, it meant really going through the book and developing one of the characters that she felt was underdeveloped throughout. So it depends. It really depends on the work um, and it depends on the editor that looks at it. Yeah. So I hired a content editor because I viewed it as an investment because I didn't have someone else that I could bounce ideas off of. Um, so I decided that this is a business because because being an author is a business. And so I, I looked at it that that way. I found a um, a editing service in New York that I, I really liked. They had some some very good testimonials and I sent that to them. And I loved how honest they were with me because immediately they were like, we will absolutely edit your book. But at one hundred and twenty thousand words, this is going to cost you a lot. And I didn't understand what they meant because they charge per word. Right. So before I could even send it to them, I had to cut at least, you know, 25,000 words that needed to be. So I really, I kind of did a pre-edit before I even did a content edit. So then I sent it to them and then it takes weeks. It, I think mine took about six weeks to come back to me. Mm -hmm. And as a and new writer. Yeah. And as a new writer, I didn't know that when I sent away my beautiful slimmed down version of my manuscript, it was going to come back a mess. They tell you everything that you need to change, but they're not going to just hand it to you on a silver platter. They make you work. And it, it actually made me a much stronger writer after just that first content edit. Oh, absolutely. I actually worked with a writing coach later on in my process. Um, and she was instrumental in making a big change for my book. Um, and yeah, it's painful when you get those editing notes back. Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but mine for both my books were about 12 pages long. Um, just notes about, you know, they, they talk about what's working, but most Mostly their job is to tell you what's not working and what you need to go back to the drawing board on. Yeah. Well, that first content edit for me, the one that I paid for, um, she wanted me to get rid of a scene that I loved. It, it was one of my favorite moments of the book, but she was like, you've got it. You, I, I love it too, but you got to cut it. You got to get your character to Kentucky. And I was so determined to keep that scene. 
I re I re envisioned it, rewrote it, and I made it my epilogue. And when I sent it back to her, she loved it. And my second editor, uh, you know, that I worked with at Red Adept, that was one of her favorite moments. So, you know, just because the editor says get rid of it, you know, you can you can reimagine things. You you know what they're saying, especially with that kind of edit. If you're paying for it, it's still up to you. You're the boss. It changes once you go to a publisher that you don't have as much say. You, you do have to adhere to some of the wishes of your content editor. Yeah, uh, and I think they do know best. I, I think there's an initial sting when you get that letter, like they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but my rule of thumb is when you get an edit back to walk away from it for at least a week to read yes. it and just let it simmer. Because I find that when you come back to it after knowing what they've already asked you to do, you find ways to make that work. And you, I think you come to an understanding of, you know, why they're making those suggestions, but you, I, I do believe you need that distance for a little bit. Absolutely. Cause when I got my first content edit back that I, you know, paid for, that was the first person who had read my book. And so I was on pins and needles every time I would open up my email. Oh, when am I getting my edits back? And she was fantastic. She helped me so much. And she really did help me get that manuscript ready that I could send. Um, and, and they're not going to focus a lot on your grammar. That's not really what a content editor is going to do. They're big picture. They're, they're going to be, you know, finding big plot holes. Later on in the process, when you sign with a, a, a publisher or whether you're doing self-publishing, you're doing a, another content edit, then you'll go to a line edit. And then that's where they're really nitpicking. Um, you know, with my line editor, she was convinced that I couldn't get my character to point A to point B uh, in a certain amount of time. And I realized she Googled that. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of impressive. But a, a content editor is more big picture. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I think a, a good piece of advice that I wish I had back then was not to focus on little things like grammar and um, sentence structure and word choice until you're well into the process and, and you have your story. So content editing worked for me, but I also had to pay a price for it. That's one of the mm. cons about it, but you can find on, you can go online, you can go to Red Sea, you can find resources, or you can even find it through like a, like a, a group like the WFWA, you can ask questions and, and we'll talk more about that. But that was the way I chose to go. But Donna, when you got your manuscript all, you know, perfect, ready to, to send out <laughs> into the world, you went a different route. And so could you tell everyone what you did to get your manuscript ready? Yeah, um, my manuscript was not perfect, although thank you, Hope, for having that confidence in me. Um, <laughs> and I knew that it was perfect. And so I came across um, the writing community on Twitter, and they had a critique partner match, which is called a CP um, in the writing world. And so they partnered me up with um, a few people. And so I ran my book through them. We, we passed chapters back and forth. You know, sometimes it was two chapters at a time, three chapters at a time. And, um, that was so beneficial, so beneficial because I got to see what a variety of people thought it did, wasn't costing me money. It was costing me time because I was also reading their work, 
but also in reading their work, it teaches you something as a writer, reading other people's work and kind of seeing their process also helps improve your own process. So um, I was really happy that I did that. So I worked with a few critique partners and then um, there's something called a beta reader, which is a reader who doesn't make too many comments. So an alpha reader is the same as a critique partner. They're going to critique as many things as you want them to. Um, and it's good to kind of find out the style of the critique partner, just to make sure that the two of you are a match, that you're both looking for similar things. Um, but a beta reader is someone you send your book to when you feel like it's almost done and you're just about to query um, and you kind of want feedback, but in a more general sense, like, did you like this story? Was there anything that didn't make sense? Um, did you connect with the character? Those big questions instead of, you know, in scene two, this happens. And is that working or should I go in a different direction? So that's the difference between the two of them. Yeah. And I was, um, I, was lucky and I, enough, I was lucky enough to be a beta reader on your second book, which I loved. Thank you very much. And thank you for being a beta reader. Um, yeah, I still, even after I published my first book, somebody just asked me that question. Like, are you still going to, um, you know, send your book th through like a CP, work with a CP? Because my third book has been written, but it needs to be heavily edited before I share it with anybody. Um, but I will edit it. And then, yeah, I'll seek out critique partners initially just to kind of go through it and get some initial feedback before I send it into my publisher and, and have their editors take a look at it. So you talked about how the importance of Twitter was for mm -hmm. finding a critique partner. Do you have any other resources, any other places that you think that would be a great resource for our audience who's looking for, I mean, cause I, if I have not been through the two years I've been through, I would not know the first step on finding a critique partner or a beta reader. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, Megan Lolly is her name on Twitter and she runs a critique partner match. So if you use that hashtag, you can find her there. Um, the WFWA also does a critique partner match. Um, that stands for Women's Fiction Writing Association. And if you're not a women's fiction writer, there are other associations. I know there's a romance, there's a sci-fi. So look for, you know, your own genre. Um, I would imagine that they run similar programs. There's another online um, that I used briefly, but I did use it. It's called um, Critique Circle, which is free. You sign up for it. You read so many pages of somebody's work. They read so many of yours. Um, the other one that I have paid for, and it's not a lot of money, is on Fiverr. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I think it's F-I-V-V-E-R. Um, it is a place, it's kind of like Etsy, but for business, um, for business people. And so there's a whole editing um, group of people on there who um, charge you a fee. And it's a very small fee. I mean, like $25 um, to read your work and give you some feedback on it. And so some of them charge much more than that. 
Um, and then there are different levels of recommendation too. So there are some that have very high levels of recommendation and you pay more for those people. Um, but I have found some really good um, feedback from Fiverr. I use them a lot when, with my first book. I'll definitely have to look that one up. And also you don't have to do a beta reader. You don't have to do um, critique partners or a content edit. You can do something as simple as a proofread. And that is a lot less expensive because if you're going to do a, a, a content edit, that's the, probably one of the most expensive editing services you can use. But if you think that your manuscript just needs, you know, another set of eyes on it, proofreading is also something that could be beneficial for your manuscript. Yeah, there's also proofreading um, websites out there like Pro Writing Aid is oh, yeah. is something that you can use for proofreading. And I one of the things that I really like about Pro Writing Aid is that if you um, there's there's a term for this, it's called an echo. So if you use the same word over and over again in your draft, it'll point that out. It'll highlight it and you could make the changes. So um, it it flags, cliches, phrases. Um, it does a lot. Um, I like pro writing aid very much. And another thing that I love on my computer, uh, when I finish a scene, I will have my computer read it back to me so I can hear it. Because mm -hmm. it's amazing when you're reading it, you've created it, your eyes kind of play a trick on you. And it's amazing the words that you miss or just, you know, simple that an and or a the or you've misspelled something. So I always love that. I don't know if anyone has, you, most people do because it's on word, but that's a feature that you should definitely use if you're just wanting to make sure that, that your, you know, your scene actually makes sense. Yeah. You actually turned me on to that. I didn't know anything about that before. Yeah. It's actually one of my favorites. So, um, so anyway, so Donna, can you give everyone our homework? We're getting ready to wrap up here. Um, yeah. So um, first of all, determine your goals for your manuscript, set a budget. So if you do want to hire an editor, kind of know what that costs, do some research. Um, the other thing is, um, in addition to looking for, uh, critique partners or beta readers, um, I, we do have a downloadable, as I mentioned earlier, it's good to kind of know what you want in a critique partner or a beta reader. I know, like I sent a, li a list of questions to Hope um, that, you know, she was talking about um, when she was a beta reader for my second novel. But what we did is we put together a sample list of questions that you could use. You could, act, you could use that list. You could modify that list. But that is available on our website as a download. Well. Donna, this was so much fun. And again, everyone can find us on Instagram at Authors uh, Talking Bookish. We'd love some followers. Uh, also, you can find us on the website at uh, author, you know, www.authorstalkingbookish.com. It's one word. There's no spaces. Um, so anyway, Donna, what's on our agenda next? What's coming up on our next episode? Sure. Our next episode, we are going to talk about branding, which I never heard of before I signed my contract. Um, somebody asked me, um, what's your brand? I had no idea what that was. So we're going to talk about branding, how you find one um, on our next episode, episode five, which will air on August 2nd. Well, I am looking forward to it. And again, this was so much fun. We've got episode four already done. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know this is a blast. Thank you everyone for tuning in. 
We hope we've been helpful. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Hope Gibbs. And I'm Donna Norman Carbone. It's time for you to get to work. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks with another tip from your author friends.